Hi guys, I am Jen Johnson and this is Thought by Thought Healing and today I had the honor of being on a podcast with Sam Kalawart who is a certified breath work facilitator and health coach and um, I'm planning on actually having her on the podcast next month or the month after because we both um, approach healing in the same way as um basically looking to the Lord for our relationship with him to be what really regulates our nervous system. And so I hope you enjoy today. We're going to talk about pain neuroscience, a little bit about my own healing journey and what tools that my clients find the most effective in their journey of healing. So without further ado, I give you this podcast. She does not have a YouTube portion of her podcast, so this will just be audio. So I hope you enjoy it. See you guys next week. Bye. Hello, and welcome back to the Healing with Hope podcast. I am so excited to share today's guest with you. And shout out to podcast listener Amy, who first sent me an email and introduced me to Jen and her podcast. It's really incredible how God connects you to the people that you need to complete your healing, to deepen your healing. So I've been working on my own mind-body connection through the lens of neuroscience and healing residual discomfort. I'm using the word discomfort instead of pain. This is something that is practiced in pain neuroscience uh, that I've been dealing with. And I've been really geeking out on what a powerful impact our nervous system has when it comes to pretty much every function within our body. And if you have been following me on Instagram, you know this, I've been sharing tons of tips and all of the research and education when it comes to our nervous system and it's been really impactful and so many of you are telling me how these tips and different practices that I've been sharing are helping you. So I'm truly so grateful that I found this work. And today's guest is Jen Johnson, who is a mind-body chronic pain coach. So she helps people understand the brain's role in chronic pain and how our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions, our suppressed emotions can cause threat physiology within the body. And she approaches mind-body work from a Christian perspective, which I really appreciate, and uses a combination of gospel and neuroscience to help people unlearn their chronic pain and other symptoms. So her passion for this work grew from her own story of healing after years of debilitating pain and other symptoms. And you're going to hear that within the episode, her own story. Having experienced being stuck in the medical world with no hope, she cares really deeply about helping others to reverse their unexplained symptoms. And she also attended uh, Carpenway Harbor Bible School, completed pain reprocessing therapy practitioner training with Dr. Howard Schubiner, and has a heart for meeting people where they are. And you can truly feel that. And ultimately, her goal is to help others learn how to live an abundant life with freedom and a renewed identity in Christ. So this was a really well-rounded discussion on understanding the mechanics of chronic pain along with the mystery symptoms that often accompany nervous system dysregulation and really beginning to get to the root of your healing. Not only that, Jen is a living testament of this work and her story is incredibly inspirational. And I hope that you find as many nuggets of wisdom within this episode as I did and hope you enjoy. Hi, Jen. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is so fun. Yes. 
And I would love to start with your personal experience and your chronic pain journey, because I believe that our personal testimonies can be so powerful and so inspirational for others to hear what's possible in their own healing. So let's just start there. Yeah. Um, good place to start. And it's so funny because when people ask me this question, I'm always like, where do I start? Um, so I think I'll just go back to when I, when my symptoms kind of started stealing my life from me. Um, and so that would be, oh, maybe like 2017, 18. Um, and I'll just kind of go through a list of some of the symptoms that I started experiencing. Um, I had, it started, well, it, the first symptom that I really noticed, like attention to, as in started going from doctor to doctor to doctor was for foot pain, um, which I think is notable because foot pain is not something that you would think is related to stress or nervous system dysregulation. Um, but my, my foot pain got just so bad that, um, I had a really hard time walking and I got a, um, handicapped parking pass so that I could be as close to buildings as possible. Really anything to keep me off my feet, bottom line. Um, so foot pain was the um, most debilitating one, I guess. Also had headaches, um, TMJ, like teeth pain, carpal tunnel. So my, my wrists hurt a lot. Um, I, yeah, we can go into that later, but it really um, hindered me from even using a computer, uh, back pain in I, a lot of like what I, what I thought were like food sensitivities or they were real symptoms, food sensitivities, um, nerve pain in the stomach. Sometimes I would feel like my breathing would be <laughs> difficult, which at that time I didn't understand the autonomic nervous system. So that was very scary. Um, was diagnosed with fibromyalgia eventually and central sensitization um, and insomnia was uh, a, a really bad symptom um, for me also. So those are kind of the the symptoms and they um, some of this, they would come and go, which I didn't understand at the time. Like why, you know, why is my TMJ all of a sudden better, but now I can barely walk and um yeah. And then eventually it got to the point where I, I couldn't really, I, it was really difficult to walk. It was also very hard to sit because sit my, my sit area just would like, <laughs> oh, it was just terrible. And then, and, and, um, and laying down became complicated also and combine that with the insomnia. There's not a lot of positions left that were comfortable. And what I really mean by that is there was no positions that were, that were pain-free for me. So, um, that's the symptom part of my story. Mm. Wow. And so how many years did that progress? You said it started in 2007, 2018. What did that yeah. look like? I mean, it, yeah. And that's comp. <laughs> I think that my, my stomach issues probably started in 1998. Um, so very long time ago. Uh, and I didn't. I just thought they were just, you know, food. My my stomach couldn't digest things. So it was more stomach related at that time. Um, 
And then um, some of the other things just kind of came and went. Insomnia came on at a pretty specific point in time in my life, um, maybe in 2007. Um, And that came with like TMJ. So a lot of sleep and face stuff. And then 2017, 18 is around when the foot pain started. And when the foot pain started, that's when it started to really like take over my life. And I started um, going down the the medical route of, okay, I can't live like this. What, what is, what is wrong with me? Um, and so I just went from doctor to specialist to getting MRIs. I think I got three MRIs and CT scans and all the blood tests and stool tests and everything you could possibly do to try to figure out the source of what was causing what I thought to be structural issues. Cause they, they felt structural. They felt like there is something wrong with my feet. There's something wrong with my sit bones. There is something wrong with all my nerves. <laughs> um, yeah. So 2017, 18 is when I started to kind of panic about it, I guess would be the right way to mm-hmm. verbalize that. And I deeply resonate with your story. Uh, 2017, 2018, that was actually the year that my chronic pain ignited and kind of progressed. And I haven't shared a ton about my chronic pain and everything I've dealt with, but many of the symptoms that you described are symptoms that I went through. And yes, the chronic Lyme disease, that was part of it, but an inflammation, but I didn't realize how much my nervous system was actually in play with all of this and how it was a huge contributor of continuing to exacerbate my symptoms. And then my chronic pain would move just as yours did from different areas of my body at different times in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And now we, I know that we call that the symptom imperative, um, because it has nothing to do with the body part that's hurting. It is, it's the nervous system, the brain that's, that's feeling unsafe. And so it's, it's going to send me that fight or flight nervous system response is going to show up in different places in my body until I work with what's actually unsettling for the brain. Yeah. And so where are you at now with your chronic pain and all of these symptoms? Yeah. Um, That's the exciting part of the story, right? Um, I am definitely chronic pain free. So all the things that I just mentioned are gone. Um, And that was not an overnight journey. That was definitely um, a lot of, um, I want to say sweat and tears, but there was no sweat. It was all tears (laughs) and, and a lot of just emotional, what we call the work. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pain-free. That does not mean that my body doesn't ever talk to me um, on occasion when I fall into old patterns or um, something new comes up that's triggering from something in my past, uh, my body will let me know, um, hey, let's go to the Lord with this. Let's yeah. let's figure out what is really at, at um, the, the core of your, the real hurt, right? Because we want to look at our bodies and say, this thing is hurting, but really there's something hurting way deeper than the, the body part. Yeah, absolutely. The spiritual, mental, emotional component is so crucial really ties right into this. So can you explain a little bit on the basics of pain neuroscience, the mind body connection, the systems at play that are actually causing the chronic pain? Yeah. 
Um, yes, pain neuroscience. So, so to connect this to my story, actually, as um, hmm, it was probably in 2020 that I discovered pain neuroscience. And I was like, what is this? And as I went down the whole of everything I'm going to explain next, um, it really just made sense to me. And um, I started seeing myself in the pages of things that I was reading. And um, and as I began to understand pain neuroscience, that is a huge part of what turned down the fight or flight nervous system response in me. And so, um, yeah, basic pain neuroscience, which is bizarrely not really studied in the medical world, um, is pain is a danger signal. Pain is, is how the brain gets your attention. Um, when we are in conscious or subconscious fear, um, even controlled fear, the, the brain is, is in fight or flight. And it sends a nervous system response. And we have fMRI images that really show that when somebody's going through something tumultuous emotionally, the same parts of the brain are activated that um, as when we're going through something structural, like hurting our back or, or like breaking our back or cutting our finger or something like that, the same parts of our brain are activated. Um, and that is that is essentially the emotional part of our um, our brain is what really sustains it. So um, I, I should clarify when wh when we hurt ourselves structurally. So if I cut my finger, um, if that if I continue to experience pain from that, let's say six months later, what the images are showing is that it is the emotional part of our brain that is now sustaining that pain. And that's why we have a lot of injuries that even though they have actually healed, there's no longer a cut on my hand. I still feel pain. And that is because my brain is still worried about the body part that that was damaged. So basically it is the brain's opinion of how much danger you're in emotionally. Um, we talk about biopsychosocial pain, but actually most of the time it, it's psychosocial pain. Most of the time there is nothing wrong with our bodies, but when we are um, dysregulated or have had things happen to us that um, were harmful, um, or even just gone through a period of time where there's a lot of chronic stress, which I, I have as part of my story. I don't have big T trauma in my childhood. I do have trauma in my life, um, but I don't have big T trauma, but I have chronic stress and and some little T trauma and really difficult, hard things and personality traits. I don't know how much you talk about personality traits on your show, but um, actually, do I'll just ask you, do you talk about those much? Here. I haven't touched on it much, but I can imagine someone who's very type A has a lot of internal pressure that then exacerbates the nervous system. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes we develop those those personality traits like people pleasing, perfectionism, a sense of urgency. We develop them because they keep us safe. If people like us, or if I am perfect, or if I get a lot done, then I feel safer. And um, but unfortunately, that actually keeps us in hypervigilant, protective mode. Um, and in the end, doesn't actually make us feel safe. It actually just turns up that nervous system dysregulation. So the other thing I think about pain neuroscience that's um, interesting um, 
is that the brain perceives avoidance as a danger signal. So the things that we avoid, aka our fears, um, it it sees it sees us doing that and is like, okay, that thing, like walking for me, walking, I avoided walking because it caused me pain. But then the brain would see me do it and that would reaffirm, okay, walking is dangerous for her. And so it turns up the pain signal, which is a danger signal. Um, so a lot of healing has to do with noting what are the things that I'm avoiding? What's the fear behind it? How's it protecting me falsely protecting me? What are the promises it quote unquote gives me and, and beginning to look at those avoidances and, and moving towards them. Mm, I love that you touched on that. And such a great explanation of neuroscience, the mind-body connection, because of course it can be very complex. So I appreciate the broad overview um, explanation that was very easy to digest for us. Good. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes I, I don't want to oversimplify it too. There, one other thing I'm just thinking of is um, I think oftentimes we are unaware of our fears. They are, they are subconscious. We're like people pleasing. I thought that just meant I was a nice person. I I didn't realize that I was actually living in fear of the disapproval or the judgment of other people. I did. I I would have never admitted that or, or recognized it. It wasn't a, a stubbornness on my part. I just didn't see it. And so when we're looking at pain, we are looking at sometimes it's, it's, it's fears that we're subconsciously adhering to and unaware of. And the brain doesn't care <laughs> whether we're aware of it or not. That that um, involuntary nervous system definitely sends a fight or flight response regardless. So, Absolutely. And I think that we can begin when we really understand our stories, the stories that we hold on to from childhood and those early developmental yeah. years then we can really begin to understand their bigger picture of what's happening internally and why, and then begin to undo that programming. So understanding our story is so important. I love that you touched on that. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's such a a big um, subject, but yes, our, our childhood, the hurts that we carry, um, have such a big role in this. And a lot of people have a lot of questions like, do I have to revisit the trauma and, and how much work do I have to do around this? And um, yeah, I think that's a important and key part of it. My personal belief is that we have to look at what traits we, um, we developed, what protective traits we developed from some of those traumatic events and what are the emotions. Another thing that the, that is part of pain neuroscience is, some of us grew up in homes. Well, we all we all grew up in homes where certain emotions are more acceptable than others. And sometimes we actually develop fear of experiencing grief. We avoid feeling anger. Um, and we actually develop an avoidance of certain emotions that are actually part of living in a fallen world. Um, and they're God-given. And we um, we want to move towards those emotions, take them to the Lord, explore them, um, and, and see what kind of redemption and freedom that he, that he has for us in those, those memories, those moments, and those things we have developed as a protective um, part of our life. 
Absolutely. And it can feel like some very overwhelming to kind of open up that can of worms, but it is so foundational. And I think that there's nothing wrong with looking back at the past, how we can heal emotionally those wounds. So then we can move forward into our future and we don't have to stay in the past any longer. Cause a lot of times in these cases, our body is reacting from past experiences. So we have to heal that past version in order to move forward. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I know there are a lot of people who, um, so I personally think that journaling, writing um, in a, I personally think there's a specific way of writing that is more helpful than others. But some people, when they start to do the journal and the writing, they actually have flare ups um, because it's scary. It's scary. Sometimes it is scary. And that fear turns up the fear response. Um, and that doesn't mean it's not the path out. In fact, oftentimes the very, the very thing that causes you to have pain is the, the route that we actually need to go to, to find freedom because there's, um, perceived danger there. There's perceived danger. And, and that's another thing I didn't mention with the pain neuroscience education is most of this is, is perceived danger. It's, it's your brain reacting to something that's been primed for in childhood or, or, or previous of now it's been primed for that. And now it's very easily triggered and pain neuroscience Okay, so we had a small technical difficulty here. The internet cut out for a moment. So I'm going to use this opportunity to ask you if you could please share this episode with someone that you know could benefit. Because so many people right now are silently suffering with chronic pain. And this message could spark inspiration within them to begin looking outside the box and potentially even deepen their own mind-body connection. And of course, by sharing, subscribing, reviewing these episodes, you are helping to reach more people that need this message. And for that, I truly appreciate you so much. Okay, so now let's jump back into the episode with Jen. Oh, the brain can be primed or it is primed by experiences that release a lot of cortisol, whether that's over a long period of time or, you know, in a quick burst. And then we become easily, um, our nervous system on its own um, kicks up in um, in our now life. And it seems like an unreasonable response for what we're going through. And that's because it's the brain perceiving danger where there actually isn't any anymore, or at least it's very little. Um, and it's, it's, it is in part because of, or maybe even at all because of what we've experienced in childhood. So to go back and allow the Lord to redeem that is such an important part of healing. Absolutely. And Jesus talks about forgiveness so much in the Bible and the importance of forgiveness. And that's a really big part of it is we are um, unknowingly a lot of times holding on to unforgiveness or anger or bitterness. And that is truly toxic mentally, emotionally, and then of course, physically as well. Yeah. Yes. You're so right. That releasing and forgiving is um, challenging, but so so freeing, right? Mm -hmm. Sounds like Absolutely. you've experienced that. I have. Yes. And so what techniques have you witnessed work best with those that have these psychosomatic symptoms of very real pain? Yes. That is like the million dollar question. Um, and it's funny cause I, I prayed about this question and, um, it, 
I feel like every single person's story is so different. And I, I, when I work with people, I I do one-on-one currently, and it feels like the tools that I use for each person is, is different um, because we have different ways that we're triggered and um, different things that we're afraid of. But I think the four that really uh, I came down to is first of all, pain reprocessing therapy, which is essentially a therapy that has mm, different tools of how to turn down the fear. We call them, Howard Schubiner calls them the five F's. So let's use my foot pain for an example. Like I fear my foot pain. And for those of you listening who think you don't fear or have one of these F words, fear, frustration, focusing, fixing, and figuring out your symptoms. Um, I would challenge you to look harder (laughs) because I didn't realize how much of a relationship I had with my symptoms and my own frustration with the the symptom and how it was affecting my life and the focus that I put on it, how much I tried to fix it by going to doctor after doctor, trying to figure out what it was, like all these these Fs really in and of itself turned up the the danger signal in my brain. And so that is a really hard pattern to break. That's the the fear pain cycle. Um, your brain is causing real symptoms in your body. Um, and we have to interrupt that, that emotional reaction to our symptoms. So pain reprocessing therapy has different ways of learning to interact with your symptoms. Um, I do a lot of talking to my pain, like where I did, um, we're okay. I'm okay. I'm going to make it. Um, I'm strong. I can handle this. The Lord has empowered me. I do not have to fear. I'm not buying into this, like that type of stuff. So, um, reducing those five F's is one. The the other one that like I already mentioned before is, is writing and writing. I just, I don't know. It, it is just proven to reduce anxiety and chronic symptoms like nothing else. Um, you can write in a way that just makes you more angry and more scared. And I would encourage you not to do that. But I, I like to write in a way that's like a brain dump around a certain is- issue subject. And then I just tell the Lord how I really feel. And I am blunt and I don't hold back. Um, and it is a, a form of like confession as in being honest with the Lord. And then, um, and then, and then that third piece of writing is what, what does God have to say to me about this very thing that's, uh, that I under the surface am emotionally triggered around, uh, maybe it's the fear of rejection or disapproval or judgment. Um, and so I, so I have a, a, a writing assign, um, homework assignment that I give people. And, and I would say most people have found that to be really powerful and, um, helpful um sometimes like we were talking about earlier sometimes people have um a symptom uptick when they first start writing because they're they're experiencing some things that have been repressed and suppressed for a long time so that um quiet time establishing and that can go hand in hand with the writing so quiet time with the lord um yeah any any slow any any slow in your life whether that's a deep breathing was a big big part of my um, journey. And then finally celebration, um, 
praise, enjoying life. And especially when we're facing all of our fears and we're facing the things we've been avoiding for so long um, to, to celebrate after we do hard things is, um, is just such an important part of that because the brain wants to know that you feel safe when you do things. And when we do hard things and then we're stressed about it and we're mad because we have symptoms still, um, that re re that actually, um, strengthens that neural pathway that we're talking about and more cortisol is result um, released. And before you know it, we're actually more symptoms, but, um, but when we can celebrate, um, the, the emotional, mental, and, um, the, the, the healing that we're having and just the fact that we're facing our fears and, and doing all these avoided things. So celebration is, is another one that I think is a big part of healing. Can't skip that part. No, I love that. Acknowledging just how far you've come and yeah. remembering to be playful with it and to enjoy all the small things and mm -hmm. the progress that you're making along the way. I think that's so easy to just quickly move on to, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? But instead like coming back yeah. to the present moment and acknowledging your body, how strong it is. I love that. Um, and the five F's I've never heard of that, but, uh, mm -hmm. I deeply resonated with that. That was like, aha yeah. uh -huh, right away. Um, I think that so many of us get caught in that vicious cycle, especially in the beginning of our healing journey of just yep. seeking doctor after doctor or different oh healing modalities, just trying all the things, all the supplements, spending thousands of dollars, some of us to yep. fix our bodies and in reality, not realizing, as you just mentioned, that that is actually keeping us in a fear response. Yeah. Yes. And the truth is there's literally nothing wrong with your body. Um, it's doing what it's supposed to do when we live in fear, it, it's following suit. <laughs> and so uh, that being said, it's, it, it is not, there's no blame here at all. Um, but yeah, I, I feel you with that whole thousands of dollars trying to fix, fix something that's not broken. Um, it's difficult. Absolutely. Yes. And how do you view all of this healing from your own journey from the very beginning to now through a Christian perspective? Redemption of my mind. Um, I, I, yeah, I see it as the Lord just coming alongside me in my fears and telling me and showing me why I don't have to have those fears. Fears protect us, right? They they give us a promise that if we do this thing, we will be safe. If I don't jump off the roof, I won't break my leg. Well, there's no way you're going to jump off the roof unless you know that for some reason you're safe. And so our fears are are protective in nature. And um, most of the things that I'm talking about healing from are not about jumping off the roof there. Um, but, but nonetheless, I still need to know that even if I am rejected, if I come out, let's just say, let's just talk about this, the fact that I run a podcast too. And if there's a lot of um, potential for rejection, right? So in order for me to face that fear of rejection, I have to know that I am safe in the Lord. And I have to know that he loves me regardless of how many mistakes that I make and, whether what I say is accepted or not. And so I view 
that was a very specific example, but the point still stands that I view all of people who have chronic pain and it's mind body pain. I see it as the Lord redeeming our fears and, um, and our anger and our shame and our bitterness. Um, it's about him meeting us where we are. So people often ask me like, where, you know, where's the Christian part of your, your program and it's really in our relationship with him and it's in the emotional work of of um what are your what are your what's your story and um and what are what are the the ways that your brain body has dysregulated because of things that have happened to you and what is how does he want to free you um and redeem you and what are his specific words for you because that's where that's where the nervous system finds true healing and um redemption is 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 there absolutely there's nothing more comforting than the holy spirit than god than having a close relationship yeah. with him and i think for many of us through our chronic pain chronic struggles we find him on an entirely different level that we never would have sought after before and yep. so it, it's truly a blessing in many ways I, I, I totally agree with you. And I wouldn't, I, I mean, the years that I was in chronic pain were horrible, but I would not give them up now. I am so thankful because my understanding of who God is, we didn't get into the details of my story, which we don't need to, but my just literally just the redemption in, in seeing that God is good and he is real is part of my story of healing. And I wouldn't give that up for anything. Um, and I, another thing that I think maybe this is partly what you're saying too, but I, I think identity, sometimes I think this is all about identity work. All this is, is who are you in Christ? Who has he freed me to be? Um, and in what areas am I not living in that? And I actually have a different label that I'm carrying around with me and operating out of that is a, a false identity and not one that's been been given to me by by God. Amen. Yeah. yeah that's so powerful. Oh, amazing. Okay. And what lessons has chronic pain taught you kind of coming off of that? So very many, um, when I, when I compare who I was before, whatever that means. And now it's just, it is a world of difference, but I think, um, I think the, the, the main thing is that I'm not a victim. Um, and I used to think I was a victim to my symptoms. Uh, and I lived in that, you know, I just have this thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to make it work. Um, but I, but he just gives, I think the Lord gives us way more control over our minds. Um, and so just learning that I'm not, a, I am not a victim to the current state of my brain. I think that's it. It's like, even, even like thinking about, um, I, a big part of my story is redemption from misplaced shame and cycling in shame that was not mine to to carry and to have um and and I felt like I was a victim to my shame even though I kind of suspected it wasn't from God I still I just 
you know, I just thought, well, I can't get rid of, get rid of this feeling. And so just learning like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have to live as a victim to this emotion or this, this physical symptom that is mind body related, um, um, is one of the the biggest things that this journey has, um, taught me. And I, I think just in the Bible, how much the Lord cares about our, our thought life and our emotions and, um, how we treat one another and things like that really kind of, they just support this mind body connection that I'm so passionate about. Um, he, he, he doesn't talk to us a lot about, you know, our stomach issues and our back pain and things like that in the Bible. And I think it's because he cares more about, um, the fruits of the spirit and embodying that. And I, and I think that's another, actually, that's another thing that, that I would like to add to my answer to your question of what lessons has this journey taught me, um, is this is funny because I just lost my train of thought and I can't remember what I was going to say. Uh, you were on the chronic pain through your life, not identifying to the labels and holding on to the victimhood. I am going to assume that God did not want me to say that second point because I don't remember <laughs> what it was. So we're just going to stick to the fact that, yeah, I, I don't believe that I am a, a, a victim to these things. And he gives me just more, more power over where I put my attention in life in general. And that attention is a, is a big part of, um, of healing how much we, what kind of, and how much attention we give to, um, our symptoms, the emotional states and, and how much power we have to move in and out of those, those, emotional states. I couldn't agree more. And I think that so many times what happens is we have these chronic symptoms. We finally get a diagnosis like fibromyalgia, but then we feel validated within that diagnosis. So we hold on to it and we think that, okay, I have this fixed mindset. Now this is what it is. These are the pain medications I'll have to take in order to manage it for the rest of my life. And we just forget about actually deepening our healing or really understanding that we have so much more power than that to overcome. Uh, We've just been programmed since childhood to seek that healing and all of those answers from external sources, from someone wearing, you know, a doctor's coat, essentially. Yes, that is that. And, and, and I do think it's starting to infiltrate Western medicine a little bit more, this idea that our stress and trauma, I mean, the ACEs study is a prime example of this that shows that these things do affect our health. Absolutely. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to see it showing up more in Western medicine. And I, I want two things. I want more of that. And I also want, um, our general population to be a little bit more open to it. Cause I think sometimes doctors do put it out there in a little tidbit form and we don't want to hear that. Maybe it, maybe, maybe it's up to us to, to, um, to work on ourselves and not to have somebody give us a pill or um, a surgery or something like that. Absolutely. So, and I think that even yeah. some Christians can feel a little iffy about things like the deep breathing and the mind body connection Mm -hmm. and healing our inner child and doing all of that deeper emotional Mm -hmm. work. That's something that I've definitely witnessed within, um, Mm -hmm. some very conservative family members. 
Yes, um, absolutely. And I, I actually remember at one point in time when I was stuck in in the physical therapy loop trying to to fix my body that didn't need fixing. Um, my PT suggested breathing meditation. And I literally said, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. And, and denied that. And then later on, I, I think he actually maybe just called it meditation. And then when somebody was like, why don't you try breathing? I was like, well, I'm down with that. So I tried it. And it, I mean, it, it had maybe like a 5% at that point in time reduction in my pain um, pretty immediately. And I was like, oh, there's something here. Like this is, if that, if just breathing can turn down my pain, what is this in like a week? This is crazy. Um, And now, yes. So I'm excited to have found you and to see you doing this from a Christian perspective too. That is, um, that's powerful. Somehow I'll have to link you on my website or something so people can, um, it's, it's good to have other resources that are, um, biblically based. Absolutely. And that's the thing is that I just had a discussion last week with a woman who used to be in the coaching industry. And it's so steep, the alternative health and coaching industry in general, with a lot of new age practices that are a slippery slope and can take you down a darker path that you don't, then you don't even realize this was my own journey of trying and experimenting with Reiki and yoga and energy healing and plant medicine and all of these things that ultimately took me away from God. And, um, though I thought I was healing, looking back now, I see it was actually under a lot of spiritual attack and there was a lot of demonic presence with that, with the new age modalities that I was experimenting in, but there is a way to do this with the mind body connection in a way that glorifies God that, uh, grows the relationship that you have to Jesus and to your body. And when we speak about meditation, now I always emphasize, you know, I'm not speaking on the Eastern meditation of completely emptying your mind, but instead guided listening to a guided practice where someone's talking you through somatically what's happening within your body. Those are two completely different things. Yeah, I agree. And also I listened to that, that podcast your last week's podcast. Yes, that was, yes. that was really good. Yeah. Oh, good. Thank you for abro- approaching that subject. Cause I think a lot of people have questions around that. And I think there is a need, there is a need in the mind body community for people doing this from a, from a b- biblical Christian perspective. So absolutely. We yeah. need spaces as well, where we can feel safe to be held and guided through our healing when we're yeah. not receiving the answers that we need from our allopathic doctors. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. So is there anything else that you wanted to add to this discussion today? Oh gosh. Um, I have so many things. Um, you know, I think, I think there's two, I think I'll say this. When we're recovering from chronic symptoms, we are, I like to divide it into four things. Let's just say, um, one is your relationship with your symptoms. And then the other three, you could kind of categorize them into emotional, uh, an emotional category, but that has to do with repressed emotions, personality traits, and your inner critic, meaning like how you treat yourself internally, how much internal pressure you put on you to be, do, get things done be perfect, um, produce, uh, 
keep everybody happy, take care of everybody, that kind of stuff. And also the voice that says you're not able to, you can't, you're nobody. Um, and so, um, a lot of times people enter this world and they only do this one, they only start working on this pain reprocessing therapy and, and reducing their fear around their symptoms. But this, this other piece is, um, equally most of the time important. There are some people that, um, health, health anxiety is the, the main contributor to all their fight or flight nervous system response. Um, but it's, it's, it's generally a combination of these kind of these four things. And that's, that's kind of how I look at it. So just for your listeners to like, look at their own lives and say, which one of those things, um, might be, or what are the two top contributors? Um, and so I think that, and, and just another thing that just keeps coming, coming up to my mind is this, um, this idea of expectation and when we expect our symptoms, um, going back to the neuroscience of this, expecting our symptoms, our brain prepares our body for what we expect. If you go to a party and you expect to have a really bad time and to hate everybody, you are going to have the hormones and the neurotransmitters that support that very thing. And that same principle really does, um, control the chronicity of our symptoms is when we expect them to never end the brain in the same way, um, follows suit and technically obeys us. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, keeping that, that piece in mind, I think are the two things that just, when you ask that question, they popped up. So there you go. Yeah. Those are really great points. I'm, I'm glad that you touched on that because I couldn't agree more. I think that people, really underestimate the role that your thoughts, attitudes, behaviors yeah. have on your biology. And yeah. now, thankfully, through neuroscience, we can understand that from a scientific viewpoint, um, but it is so powerful and something that a lot of people just don't give enough credit to. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Amazing. So how can people get in touch with you? How can they work with you if they want to really get some one-on-one support with their chronic pain? Yeah. Um, My website is thoughtbythoughthealing.com and I have information on there, including costs on um, the work with me tab. Um, And you can follow me on Instagram and on Facebook. And then, yeah. And then I have a podcast. Um, it's on YouTube. Uh, so I have a podcast and a YouTube channel. Um, I'm definitely going to have to have you on as a guest. I would like love for that to happen. So yes. maybe after this call is over, we can talk about that. Um, but yeah, so follow me on YouTube and, and, um, Instagram, et cetera. Yeah. I um, found your podcast just listening. I binge like three or four episodes and I was like, Ooh, so, so good. And it just, again, resonated so deeply with what I'm currently looking to overcome on a deeper level. And I just love the way that you explain everything and the science and you just make it so personable and digestible. And so that's what I really appreciate about your podcast thought by thought healing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to leave all of the links to get in Thank touch you. with Jen in the show notes of this episode. Uh, and then if you have any questions for us, of course, shoot us a message on Instagram, or you can reach out to Jen uh, via email on her website. But otherwise, Jen, thank you so much for being here today and taking time to explain the mind-body connection, neuroscience, chronic pain. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And just also thank you for the work you're doing. <laughs> 
We need it. Yes. Yes. I appreciate it so much.